1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is Naples Illustrated.com. .com. And when you go to NaplesIllustrated.com, get a subscription to On the Town. It's free and it's a weekly publication uh, delivered to your email of things that are going on in the Paradise Coast. And there are fewer and fewer things going on. We'll be talking about that in a moment. It is uh, We have great guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I'm sure we'll be talking about current global world affairs, which will be dominated, I'm sure, by the coronavirus. We'll visit with Jim McTegg, who is the author of Shake the Money Tree, a sequel to Follow the Leader. And he's also Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, former Washington Bureau Chief. And we're talking to him about what's going on in the world, including uh, the politics of the day within the Beltway. It is March the 16th. And on this day in 1802, the United States Military Academy, the first military school in the United States, was founded by Congress for the purpose of educating and training young men in the theory and practice of military science. Located at West Point, New York, the new military academy is awfully often uh, simply known as a West Point. Located on the high west bank of New York's Hudson River, West Point was the site of a revolutionary area fort built to protect the Hudson River Valley from uh, British attack. In 1780, General Patrick uh, Patriot, Benedict Arnold, the commander of the fort, agreed to surrender West Point to the British in exchange for 6,000 pounds. However, the plot was uncovered before it fell into British hands and Arnold fled into British uh, to the British for protection. <clears throat> Ten years after the establishment of West U.S. Military Academy in 1802, the growing threat of another war with Great Britain resulted in con- congressional action to expand the academy's f- facilities and increase West Point uh, Corps. Beginning in uh, 1817, the U.S. Military Academy was reorganized by Superintendent Sylvanus Thayer, later known as the father of West Point, and the school became one of the nation's finest sources of civil engineers. During the Mexican-American War, West Point graduates filled the leading ranks of the victorious U.S. forces, and with the outbreak of the Civil War, former West Point classmates regretfully lined up against one another in the defense of the uh, Native States. In 1870, the first African-American cadet was admitted into the U.S. Military Academy, and in 1976, the first female cadets. The Academy is now under the general direction and supervision of the Department of U.S. Army and has enrollment of more than 4,000 students. A real honor to go to one of the military academies, West Point, of course, being the oldest. Well, the news is now consumed by COVID-19, the coronavirus virus, We're up to 100 cases in Florida and 10 in Collier and Lee counties. U.S. death tolls from the virus now stands at 69. Of course, about half of those deaths have occurred in one nursing home in Seattle. There's evidence of a panic as Whole Foods, Publix, where checkout lines are long, and shelves for some uh, items uh, like toilet paper are bare. Uh, Toilet paper is (laughs) the new plywood of the pandemic. of course, being needed during hurricanes. Businesses are making tough decisions about staying open or closing. Artist Naples has canceled performances, and they've gone dark for a few weeks, at least. I just learned this morning that Gulf Shore Playhouse, where I was former uh, board chairman, has postponed the opening of the line in winter. The CDC has recommended uh, across the nation canceling Uh, all meetings of 50 or more folks for the next eight weeks. Hopefully we'll soon see the uh, COVID-19 numbers turn. The curve will turn so there's uh, more recoveries and fewer people contracting the disease. Uh, That's already beginning to happen in China. It's great to see the public and private sectors innovating and working together to solve this crisis. The president held a terrific meeting in the Rose Garden on Friday. Uh, He had all the people lined up behind him, and he was talking about what they were doing. He mentioned uh, the business leaders, owners of, and CEOs of major, for example, Publix and uh, Whole Foods and those types of markets, uh, and uh, he was soliciting their support in handling and dealing with the the crisis on a public-private sector uh, basis. The market took off in the final hours of trading, but futures are down this morning. market ended up nicely on Friday, but uh, it's not looking good for today. Uh, containment measures are now being implemented in the United States and throughout the globe to limit the spread of the coronavirus, but only a vaccine can prevent people from getting sick from the virus. And roughly 35 companies and academic institutions are rushing to create a vaccine, and at least four uh, have tested it on animals. Moderna, a biotech company in Massachusetts, has already shipped the first batches of the COVID-19 vaccine to the U.S. National Institute on Allergy and Infectious Diseases. It was said to be ready for human trials in April, but the first patient will receive an experimental dose on Monday, a government official said. The trials will be held at Kaiser Permanente Washington Health Research Institute in Seattle. Testing will involve 45 young, healthy volunteers and it uses Moderna's uh, vaccine for the experiment, I guess we'd call it. The goal of the trial is to make sure that the vaccines show no worrisome side effects. Before researchers begin larger tests, participants can get infected from the shots, can't get infected from the shots. The speed uh, in getting to uh, this part of the process was assisted by scientists in China. So it was also assisted by uh, knowledge that the flu is generally considered the biggest pandemic risk, And scientists have been working on a prototype, uh, pathogens, following the SARS and MERS uh, epidemics in previous years. Clinical trials are a lengthy process, and it'll take more than a year and a half, really, to get this uh, out where it can go to the public. Even if the initial safety tests go well, you're talking about a year to a year and a half before any vaccine could be ready for widespread use, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci. We've heard a lot from him, director of NIH's uh, National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That still would be a record-setting pace, but manufacturers know the weight required because it's uh, taken additional studies of thousands of people to tell if a vaccine truly protects and does not harm is hard for a frightening, frightened public. While the Federal Reserve took action on Sunday, slashed interest rates, by the way, you don't hear this happening on Sundays, but it did, Uh, by a full percentage point to near zero, and said it would be by $700 billion in Treasury securities, an aggressive step to insulate the U.S. economy from the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, The coronavirus outbreak has harmed communities and disrupted economic activity in many countries, including the United States, the Fed Open Market chairman said. The Federal Reserve is prepared to use its full range of tools to support the flow of credit to households and businesses. The benchmark Fed uh, rate is now at a range of 0 to 0.25 percent, down from a range of 1 to 1.25 percent. The cut essentially brings the nation's interest rates to zero, something the president has repeatedly pressed over the past year. The historically low interest rates, uh, which have been at this level since 2000, haven't been at this level since 2008, Uh, When we had the financial crisis, of course, the Fed also said that it will buy at least $500 billion in Treasury securities and $200 billion in mortgage-backed securities over the coming months, a program known as quantitative easing. Earlier this month, Powell announced an emergency fifty basis point cut. So this one percent is just on top of that as well. So the Fed doing what it can and put a smile on the president's face, and uh, but it's not having a positive impact on futures right now because futures are down. Did you see the debate last night? The CNN debate was held without a live audience and moved to Washington D.C. due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, There were. Biden and uh, Sanders were positioned six feet apart from one another in order to do the social distancing thing. Uh, during the questioning, CNN asked 78-year-old Bernie Sanders about his recent heart attack, but then skipped over 77-year-old Joe Biden's previous brain aneurysms and increasing dementia. That was kind of unbelievable. And it didn't take long and only took seven minutes into the CNN Democrat debate for Joe Biden to trip over his own tongue. Bernie Sanders wanted to talk up the finer points of Medicare for all, but Joe Biden said the raging coronavirus crisis is too urgent for political divisions and petty politics. Biden's vision largely won out Sunday's uh, debate uh, held in uh, D.C. studio amid the coronavirus outbreak that is forcing people indoors by the millions. So it was a pretty good strategy on the part of Biden. He says, like, we can't talk about this stuff. We're in crisis Sanders, of course, wanted to talk about his Medicare for All and the programs that he would bring if he were president of the United States. I think it really gave Biden the edge, Uh, but Biden kind of slipped over his own tongue, and Biden was being Biden. It was uh, not uh, the questions were not pretty uh, particularly penetrating, and while it was interesting to start the beginning of the the debate, I kind of kind of wore on me. I didn't want to watch too much of it after about a half an hour. Anyhow, <clears throat> uh, they did this debate uh, with nobody watching and uh, with nobody in, in the room, which kind of changed the whole mood of the, of the process also. So uh, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is NaplesIllustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents the Florida premiere of The Lion in Winter, running from March 28th through April 19th, with preview performances on March 26th and 27th two legendary lovers fight a battle of wits over the throne of England. Set during Christmas in 1183, King Henry II and his wife Eleanor of Aquitaine are embroiled in a wickedly amusing battle over which son will inherit the crown. It's a high stakes political game of chess and the future of England hangs in the balance. This Tony award winning production went on to become an instant classic. Tickets are selling fast and are available now. Single tickets for the Lion and Winner start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 8 Six six eight one one forty one eleven or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. You can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. I just found out that the Lion and winter has been postponed, so you can't get tickets for that right now. That's pretty much what's going on around the country, and uh, we're going to be talking about that with Mark Shulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's also written several books, mainly on past presents, and really very informative and interesting and entertaining. Uh, he's also located in Israel right now. Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank it's you. i in the world.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, tell us what's going on in Israel right now.
2: Well, Israel's a bit a little bit ahead of the curve vis-a-vis the United States. it's slowly cut off um, cut off transport travel from much of the world over a period of the last, I guess, two or three weeks. It started with China, Thailand, Japan, South Korea, the all the Asian countries first, mm-hmm. and then it went to um, a couple of European countries, Italy, and a, f- a few specific countries, and then they wanted to go to the United States, but they were afraid. They were told by President, by Vice President Pence, that President Trump would be upset if they if they signaled out the United States. So finally, the decision was made to cut off um, flights from anywhere in the world, which we would be anyway at this point. Mm-hmm. So, over the last um, two weeks, no one has been allowed to enter the country. Uh, from abroad, well, f- slowly, but surely at this point, no one who um, is not an um, Israeli citizen or permanent resident can enter the country at all. And anyone who is an Israeli resident or has citizenship or permanent resident um, has to come in. When they arrive, they have to go into 14 days of quarantine. The quarantine is actually enforced by the police. Mm. And there are something in the area of, I think, 38,000 people in quarantine at the moment in the country.
1: So and well, and that's now. Two hundred
2: and forty-nine cases. All but two of them. No, that's all but one of them. They know the origins, and almost all of them came from people who came from abroad, or in touch with someone from abroad, or a tourist who was here and gave it to the tour guide or a worker at the airport. So they've managed to actually every single time they find someone who has the virus, they then publish a complete list of every place the person has been. And then anyone who's been in any of those places has to enter quarantine.
1: Interesting. So, I think the population of uh, Israel is about eight million.
2: Eight million, correct?
1: So, I mean, it kind of gives you an idea of the uh, the degree of uh, they're certainly taking major steps in order to protect the country. Now, uh, it appears that in China, you know, we're you know the major topic of the. Of the uh, around the globe is coronavirus China seems to have gotten on the other side of the curve on this do I read this correctly
2: that is more or less correct if we can believe what we're hearing from China now what they did was extreme don't forget the 40 million people who lived inside the the, what they call the hot zone of China uh, basically were were forced to stay in their homes for the last month and a half Mm -hmm. and outside of those areas internal transportation all stopped there was no transportation between providence provinces, and everything else and almost every factory was closed down so basically by freezing the population they managed to get control of the virus
1: yeah and so we i think the reports they had are a
2: system in place when the people were suspected of having the virus they'd be tested and they would put it aside in case they were they were found um, they were found positive, and then if they were found positive, they were put into a hospital. Uh, they were isolated. Uh, they were not allowed to go back to their families because one of the things they discovered was that if you put someone together with their family, their family is the first ones to get it, and to get infected. Sure. Um, so they did extreme measures that it's hard to believe any Western country can do. Uh, if they had done them in the first week, uh, they would have been... Um, you know, no, no major impact in the world. If they had done it a week later, there'd probably be ten times as many dead.
1: Yeah, So anyway, so, you know, the, the point is that they that through these extreme measures, apparently they're seeing more recoveries, fewer new cases, uh, so indicating that perhaps the uh, the coronavirus is not engaged as much, or as the uh, threat is waning in China. That's good news. That it, it, I think gives hope to all countries that uh, take positive actions. Right.
2: Dear. The two two problems we have with that is, A, it's not at all clear that people can't get it a second time. There There's right. a lot of disputes in the scientific community right now of whether they can or cannot. And also, there are some stories at this point that it permanently impacts your lung function.
1: Yes, I've read that as well.
2: So, those are two very disturbing facts. And three, I mean, no one is doing what China is doing. I mean, except maybe Singapore did what China was doing. Mm-hmm. And Taiwan didn't have very many cases. So the United States, we're way out of control at this point.
1: So comment on this, uh, if you would, Mark. uh, I read that the average age of the person who's dying, and of course in Italy, and Italy of course has got a real serious problem, the average age is 81. It seems that this virus is settling in on older folks as opposed to younger and healthy people.
2: Generally speaking, yes. I mean, don't forget, the older you are, the more susceptible you are. Don't forget, the the way this virus kills you is basically a form of pneumonia. Mm Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the reports out of France are that 50 percent of the people in the ICUs are under 50. So hmm. we don't know. The big, the big fear amongst uh, doctors who I've spoken to is the fact that the virus can also mutate.
1: Mutate and, and to what?
2: Have known to sort of mutate to keep themselves going, and so that's part of the part of the great fear.
1: When you say mutate, are you suggesting that they, they can go into another form of disease or virus, or uh no?
2: They just change how they act. So, in other words, the same way that they they're more susceptible to this, they can change in certain ways and be even more deadly or less deadly, and they change. That, that's what sort of for the virus that mutates. So it it changes its behavior to some extent.
1: So what's interesting to me also is I've uh, saw uh, uh, there's, I think, about 127 countries where uh, there have been infections of uh, the coronavirus. So I've seen a list of the ones where they have no reports. Now it may be because they simply don't have the medical uh, support necessary to be able to locate those, but uh, many of the countries uh, are located in Africa. Uh, One of them is, uh, what is the country that is a kind of a, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'm operating from memory, but the point being is that it appears that it may be uh, more aggressive with people with uh, or uh, Asian descent as opposed to those with African descent.
2: There is no real way of knowing that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, don't forget it's a question also of trade and how you know how it spread. Mm-hmm. So, best of our knowledge is it spread from China to Iran and then it ran into the United States by somebody, and we're not sure some other ways, and of course it ran, and I think, from China to Italy. So I don't know. I mean, the question is how much. uh, There have been a couple of cases now in Africa that we know of. Again, we don't really know some of these statistics. So for instance, Russia claims it only has two cases. However, two Russian tourists in Israel were discovered having the virus. So what are the chances that if two Russian tourists had come with the virus, that there aren't more than two people in all of Russia. Right. And uh, same with Turkey. They're not they're not reporting any anything. So Syria claims that no viruses in Syria. However, sixteen Syrians who came to Kuwait or Qatar Africa, which one all have the virus. So you yeah. really can't trust anyone's figures other than uh Some of the Western democracies, I guess, at this point, really don't know. We don't know who who to trust in terms of any of these things.
1: Right. Well, the the, uh, report that I referenced uh, showed that North Korea had no infections. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure we can rely on that.
2: Those are things we really can't. We we can't trust any of these numbers, and we don't. We won't know um, until you know. We just won't know. I mean, we'll see what happens in the United States. But look, the the problem that exists is that we're waiting a long time There's a study that came, a, a, a survey came out yesterday that only 23% of Americans are willing to stop going to restaurants at the moment.
1: Yeah. Well, well I a big y- mistake. You think it's a, re- a mistake to go to a restaurant you're saying? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Restaur- it is a mistake right now to go to any place where there are people. Yeah. That's the that's reality. You mean I'm, I'm I'm at this point, you know, I I go to a, go into buy foods i try to go into a, a small food store that's basically empty
1: are you in israel right now are you uh, what's the economic activity like there
2: as of i mean as of i mean the tourism industry etc has been destroyed completely i have i have a friend who's had a 35 year old tourism business to bringing tourists into the country and he had a, he had made it through all the terror attacks and everything else he had to close his business this week oh man uh, um, but beyond tourism as of Monday, as of Friday, the schools closed, and as of yesterday, all the restaurants, bars, entertainment centers, malls, and all those have closed. They're only open. The restaurants can do takeaway at the moment. Wow. Um, there's talk about going even further. The health ministry wants to go even further and basically force everyone to stay home. The obviously, the government is concerned of the economic impact, which already is is tremendous.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, understand that. Besides the fact that a lot of people are going to die when this is all undone, unfortunately, all over the world, and certainly some in Israel, and certainly a lot in the United States, beyond that, I have no idea how you get the economies. I mean, we're way beyond recession at this point, and we're probably in a depression. We just don't know it at this point. And- how you get the world's economy to move after this is going to be very, very difficult. Yeah,
1: it's so interesting. I'm, I'm board chairman, or was a board chairman, for 15 years of a theater that we started. It's a professional theater, and to, you know, to see the agonizing decisions that need to be made and the financial consequences, it's really disturbing. I can only imagine your friend who owns a travel business and the, you know, the very difficult decisions he had to make after 35 years. It's and, and that's right.
2: No, absolutely. But how you know all these? <coughs> think of any restaurant, any bar, any of these type of business, any tourism business, right? Right. Well, think about the the airlines in the United States right now. I mean, who would want to fly if you absolutely, absolutely don't have to?
1: Exactly. So, Mark, I, we have to let our advertisers get a little bit of their notice for supporting this show. Can you stick around? Absolutely. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: back to the Bob Harden show and now here's your host Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show it's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work some moral imperative and you can find out more by visiting the fga.org the coming up we're going to visit with jim McTagg, the author of shake the money tree right now we continue the conversation with mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website historycentral.com also located in israel right now mark Schulman, thank you so much for joining us
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mark. So let's let's uh, talk about what's going on in the United States right now, and and assess to whatever degree we can uh, the measures that are being taken in order to prevent the spread of the COVID nineteen.
2: Well, one of the problems right now, as far as I can see, is the fact that it's it, it's unclear. You know, that every 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 municipality, every area, every state is doing very different things. Mm-hmm. So some states have really taken control. Of New York State, at this point, where has there's been a hot spot of hotspots have, as of this as of um, this morning, I think, has has closed all the schools in in the tri-state area in New York City, uh, Westchester, Long Island, etc. And New York City is finally ordering all the restaurants and bars, etc., to close. The same thing is happening in Ohio and Illinois and in Washington State mm-hmm. and in LA. Um, but again, you need the national plan here. You, you know, it's like, what is the plan? What are we doing overall? Uh, clearly not enough people are being tested, which is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, you need to to find out exactly who, who's carrying, who's not. Uh, you need to do things like not what was done at the airports this last, these last two days with these tremendous lines. And it looked like an incubator for the virus. You put yeah. 2,000 people in a room. Well, wow. just to can't get more flights from overseas and you're assuming you're testing them because you're assuming some of them are carriers. Yeah, what you're well, doing guess is what, <laughs> every one of them, and even if they even if they have no fever now are gonna have fever because they just spent six hours together in this one room.
1: It's funny you should mention that, Mark. I had friends that just came back from Europe. Uh they uh, waited in line for six hours in a closed space. What they said about 600 people themselves so you know clearly that's just an incubator that's a, a petri dish for right. so this
2: is just terrible federal planning yeah. I mean this is just terrible decision making terrible planning cuz now you have 600 people yeah and let's say when you started you only had three of them had had the you were know, carrying the virus yeah but now you have 600 that probably do yeah and they're going to about to go out in the population and then what
1: so the question is, is, uh, that I have is, is this seasonal? It would be great if it is. I mean, if, in other words, when the warm weather comes, that the, that the virus dissipates and goes away. We don't know that yet, do we?
2: We don't know that. That's one. Of the, there's so many things we don't know. I mean, one thing we should be doing right now, and I think we discussed this two weeks ago or maybe even a week ago, I'm mm-hmm. not sure, is the federal government should be uh, ordering thousands of respirators. And look, there's a shortage of, of surgical masks everywhere. and so They should be be ordering thousands of those and convincing manufacturers most of them coming from China get some some companies to do a Manhattan style project to to build them locally, whatever is necessary.
1: So the president got only got. On, I think it was on Sunday at the Rose Garden. He gave a press conference and he listed off all the names of the CEOs that he talked to about respirators, about uh, the food shor- shortage and supplies in, in grocery stores. He went through a long litany of lists of conversations he's enlisted the support of CEOs in order to help solve this problem. It sounded like a, in my, in my view, a very strong. Private, public, public.
2: You have to. You have to decide. You you have. President has extraordinary war power powers in times of national emergency to basically order companies to do things.
1: But why, why order? Why order them if if you can uh, elicit or solicit their support and and get them on board? Can you provide me? Look, uh, can you provide me? I know you make respirators. I need uh, three million respirators. Can you help us out here? <laughs> "Mr. President, we'll do whatever we can. We're right on it. We'll take care of it." Why do you need? Why do you need orders? Because
2: it doesn't necessarily work that way. Because
1: it always works that. Way. It always works best that way.
2: No, it never has. World War Two didn't work that way. We turned to private industry, but then we had a board that basically allocated money and, and resources to the, the industries to turn out. You know, they went to Maytag who made, made uh, washing machines and said, can you make uh, B-29s or V 17s whatever they ended up making? Yeah. And they said, sure, we can retool for it. It'll cost X amount of money. Okay, here it is. We need, you know, 100 planes the first month and 1,000 six months in. It's not like I go to my, I go to Maytag and say, "Well, can you help us maybe do this?" No, you have to have specific plans, and you have to have uh, you have to have an order. You know, you have to say, "I want to buy a million whatever the number it is." Obviously,
1: well, when you say you an know, order, maybe I'm misinterpreting. When you say an order, you mean you want to have to have a specific request or specific uh, uh, purchase order.
2: I, I will give you a million dollars. You give me X, I mean whatever number. Obviously, the numbers okay, are all right. Okay, all right. So you know, you have to you have to, you have to. I don't mean you order the company by saying. I'm going to order you to do this. No, but you're saying that uh, what you can do is you can say it's a higher priority, it's a w- an emergency. Yeah, yeah. Instead of making whatever okay. you're making, but I will buy ten thousand respirators from you if you make them and get them done by.
1: See, so I think them. we're in violent agreement here. We're just uh, I was misunderstanding the notion, the uh, definition of orders. You are using it here. So, right. No,
2: uh, so I'm, I'm saying you go to. You, of course, you go to private and you give them orders, but you but you have to have a plan. Yeah. And, again, we're falling behind the curve. You know, we discussed this. I said we should we do this two weeks ago. We had this argument about private versus public, right? So I'm, uh... The government is the only entity, the, especially the, the national government, that can have an overall plan and say, okay, we're a country of 300 million. Uh, we're spread out X, Y, and Z. We're going to need this overall for the country. And we're not going to allow... Because New York placed the orders first, that all the respirators are going to go to New York for the sake of argument, right?
1: Okay. So uh, these
2: are things only the federal government can do. Only the federal government can look out for all of the people of the United States on as best an equal basis as possible.
1: Alright, Mark. Well, I, you know, I personally, uh, am pretty pleased with the, uh, the actions that have been taken nationally and locally. I mean, we have different, uh, government, for example, some, uh, states have closed down restaurants. Some cities have done that. I think it's a, in Nashville or, or one, there's one place where the mayor said, you gotta close down all the restaurants, and they said, nope, not doing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, they're going to all be going jail because they can't, they, the mayor has the possibility of doing that. I'm
1: yeah. Afraid. So anyhow, I think I think people have comments. From the,
2: you know, we're not doing it. We we can't do that. Okay, yeah, well, that's very nice. But but you're, so you're going to bury the people who are going to be dead? It's no.
1: Yeah, right. you're right. So, Mark, before I let you go, I I do want to just get uh, an update on the elections in Israel because it is a total mess.
2: Sure, it's an absolute total mess as of. Um, uh, Twenty minutes ago or an hour ago, uh, Benny Gantz, the opposition uh, to Netanyahu, was received the mandate to form the government because he had more people voting in favor of him than that. Uh, to the president, what happens, the way it works is you go to the, the different parties, meet with the president, and they say, who do they think has the greatest chance of, of forming a government? Gantz had more people. It's not at all clear how this is going to end because Netanyahu refuses to step aside. And Gantz refuses to go into a government with a man who's been indicted. Netanyahu managed as part of this um, emergency, while all the government ministries are still working. Somehow, mysteriously, the the court system has been closed. When he, he was supposed to begin his trial today, so that's an <laughs> interesting way of uh, doing things.
1: Yeah, it was delayed. It's been deferred for a couple of weeks, as I understand it.
2: Two months for Two the months. moment, but again. It was supposed to have started today. Yeah. And like I said, all of the other government ministries are still operating.
1: Well, you know, working. in in Washington, D.C., I think the uh, the uh, uh, federal courts have closed down. Criminal uh, justice has closed down in Washington, D.C. So let's, we're beginning to ha- see that effect here in the United States. Well,
2: absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to happen. Look, we're gonna, in, in the United States and all over the world, we're going to have to look at all the sort of places where people meet that are in close quarters and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And that's what's going to have to change if we're going to beat this virus. You know, that's those are the issues, and the qu- issue is how fast you're doing it. And so far, the United States has been been Italy-like, unfortunately. well So northern. So we'll have to see.
1: Yeah. Mark again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We certainly talked about a number of issues. We have no solutions at this point, but uh, no.
2: Unfortunately, we don't. You know. Yeah. I, I wish I had a magic wand that can make it all better, but. As a friend of mine said to me yesterday morning, she said, I feel like I'm waking up in the middle of a nightmare, and it just won't go away.
1: Yeah. Let God and let go, I guess that's the answer. Mark, I genuinely appreciate your very well-informed commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a pleasure, Bob. You and. All right, coming up. And we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg. Jim is the author of Follow the Leader. A sequel is uh, Shake the Money Tree. Stories located in Washington, D.C. Great murder mysteries and lots of fun. They're great fun reads. Uh, he's also the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and has great uh, commentary on what's happening nationally. So I look forward to the converse- conversation. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. In this life transforming work, by patronizing the St. Matthews House thrift stores, Cafe M25, car wash and detailing center, and award winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthews House is a 501c3 not for profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
0: to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And again, the uh, show's been suspended here for a period of time, but you can get still still get tickets for future shows by visiting the website Playhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg. Jim is, uh, as I mentioned before the break, uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, uh, he's on top of what's happening around the Beltway. He's also written a couple of great books. His first, uh, Follow the Leader. Uh, second, it's uh, is a sequel to Follow the Leader. It's called Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hey, Bob. It's, it's wonderful to be on with you.
1: Thank you so much, Jim. And by the way, I, I just want to tell our readers, uh, I've read both books. And by the way, you, you've written others as well, but they, they are terrific reads and uh, great murder mysteries. So congratulations to you.
3: Oh, thank you. It's, uh, maybe people who are hunkered down because of uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, could pick up a couple copies and, and the, the quarantine period would, will just fly by.
1: Oh, yeah, there you go. So uh, I guess that's the elephant in the room right now. Let's talk about it. What's going on in Washington, D.C. and in in COVID-19?
3: Yeah, I forget about uh, global warming. And, uh, I I mean, COVID-19 has squeezed out uh, all the other issues in the campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, ironically, you know, I was at that CPAC 2020 meeting, the the Conservative uh, Action uh, Committee conference, uh, and it was really a great event. I mean, terrific speakers. And it uh, brought home to me in a clarity I hadn't seen before, the threat from the left to our democracy and and to our our way of uh, life. Yeah. You know how the left is trying to rewrite. They attack American history. They try to rewrite American history. Yeah. They're they're undermining the free enterprise system. You know, uh, you can go down a laundry list. It's a it's a tremendous challenge for the country. Yeah. Uh, I mean- and, and ironically, that they had a COVID-19 outbreak there, which I narrowly escaped. Wow. So, and and uh, it's kind of interesting. I was there as a correspondent for um, uh, an, another radio buddy of mine, John Batchelor from WABC in New York. Oh,
1: I knew him. Who yeah. I hadn't
3: seen personally in about five or six years. Yeah. So it was an excuse to get together with John. And we were back in the green room. And, um I was given a ticket to wait for um, Vice President Mike Pence, you mm-hmm. know, and I could meet him, and I, I could be in a private box to watch his speech. Um, but I had been on my feet all day, and i I'm, I'm seventy, and my knees are shot, <laughs> yeah. so it was at the point where i I was hobbling, and I decided you know I'm not going to wait, so I went home, and it turns out that the person at CPAC from New Jersey who was infected with the virus was in the green room, yeah. and I would have been in there with them. So I bring that up um, because I think a lot of us are having close brushes every day, and we don't even realize it because this disease is so insidious. Yeah. People, a lot of people who have it initially, they think they have um, an allergy. You know, I have a runny nose because of pollen, and it could be COVID-19. Right. So, uh,
1: well, or how about those that are, are carrying but have absolutely no symptoms at all? So there, there's, I think the specter of that is probably as scary as anything. I mean, when you have see somebody who's got a fever or got a, a tight cough, I mean, you can recognize that nice person, you know, you can self-quarantine, whatever. The point I'm making is that uh, there's a lot going on right now that can create infection, and we just don't know what's happening.
3: Yeah. And- and the problem is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm showing my age here, but growing up as a kid, I was watching a movie called The High and the Mighty about a, a you know, John Wayne is piloting an airplane over the Pacific, I think. It has engine trouble. It may not make it to land. And one of the passengers is a hysteric and John Wayne has to slap her to calm her down. Well, I see a lot of those hysterics out there. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to minimize the risk from this disease, but, uh, you know, you look at uh, uh, the, some of the New York papers today and hospitals in New Jersey, for example, uh, their drive-through COVID-19 detection clinics are overwhelmed with hypochondriacs. Of course. <laughs> so, so, Of course. Uh, uh, so, again, you know, there's... Uh, The caution is warranted, but uh, maybe the fear is a little bit outsized at this point. Uh, Things will get worse, but, you know, being a historic doesn't make it
1: better. Well, let me let me tie it back to the point you were making about the conference you attended. You, you'd mentioned, and it just reminds me of Norman Thomas's con, uh, comment <clears throat> when he said uh, the the Socialist Party closed down the uh, his run for presidency, and he said, "Well, I don't we don't need the Socialist Party anymore in the United States because the left, the Democrats, are going to fill the need uh, well, and that's exactly what's happened right now." So the point I want to make is this: a lot of this is fueled by the hysteria is fueled by the mainstream media who see and the Democrat Party see this as a way to bring down the in, uh, quote unquote incompetent President Donald Trump.
3: Yeah, well, uh, President Trump didn't help matters because I think his uh, I think his uh, announcement last Wednesday when he when he said he was ending um, passage commercial passenger flights between the u.s. and europe but he went off script and he said that you know trade goods was would also be eliminated that was a disaster uh, that was his uh, churchill we will fight them on the beach moment and uh the speech to begin with wasn't that uh, inspiring i don't know who wrote it mm-hmm. uh, but it was pretty <coughs> flat um, and he blew it. He went off script and he, and he made it uh, sound worse than it actually was and he created a lot of panic. So I think that did him uh, wow. a lot of harm.
1: That's so interesting at, because campaign.
3: I uh, I've mentioned before I I think he should say, he should publicly announce if he wants to recover if he wants to become a major, you know, appear like a leader and someone who has the best interests of the United States at heart and not his, uh, you know, his his, his uh, presidential campaign, he should announce that he's suspending his campaign to focus on this crisis. And, and he only has to suspend the campaign for a few months, you know, if the doctors are right. And then he can go back in the campaign. But what it does is it communicates to the American public that uh, he's larger than uh, his petty self-interest.
1: Well, I would suggest that uh, he probably, he's, I think he's, uh, the plan is, I'm not sure about this, but he's he's planned to suspend any of these uh, rallies that he's been holding. So that's not going to happen. I thought him, his... uh, I thought he was as presidential as I've ever seen when he was in the Rose Garden with all the the, uh, support that he had around him. His announcements that uh, he read off the names of CEOs that are supporting the effort to, in a public-private partnership, to deal with the coronavirus. So uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I've I've watched pretty carefully most of his press conferences, the the one on Wednesday I know I watched. I, I didn't have the reaction that you had. And uh, his popularity, Rasmussen, is one I watch, and he does a daily poll on the president. Right now, it's up from forty-seven to forty-nine percent as of the last poll. So, uh, I don't think the American public is—at least his supporters—are reacting that way.
3: Okay, I see other polls that say that they don't have—you know—the majority of the country doesn't have confidence in his leadership regarding uh, COVID. Uh,
1: Nineteen. Wow, that's um, interesting.
3: You know, he can't. He he has to avoid t- taking a swipe at uh, Biden every chance he can get, even when he's addressing the COVID nineteen uh, situation. Yeah, uh, I think that that hurts him uh, immensely. Uh, now, what might help him is if Joe Biden picks a woman for vice president who had been one of his. Uh, competitors uh, during the, the uh, primaries, somebody who has already jumped out, it makes absolutely no sense for him to pick, say, an Amy Klobuchar, because the Democratic base has rejected her. It makes yeah. no sense to pick Elizabeth Warren. Same reason. Her own state, the Democratic base in Massachusetts, rejected her. Right. So if he picks what I call a wounded animal as a running mate, somebody rejected the party's base um, he's tied an anchor around his own neck um, and um, I suspect he's going to do that uh, based on what I've seen from his campaign so far
1: that's so interesting do you need to take a a little break can you stick around I can All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network
0: stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show, here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the very robust website, vfga.org. We continue the conversation with Jim McTagg. Jim is the uh, author of a couple of great uh, murder mystery thrillers. You can uh, They're called Follow the Leader, and the sequel is Shake the Money Tree, both located in Washington, D.C., and fantastic reads. Jim is also the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Jim, again, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hey, a pleasure, Bob. I I was thinking uh, during the break, uh, we're both uh, former financial uh, professionals. Um, When I was younger, I had a friend, a a woman friend, who was a doctor, Mm -hmm. and uh, when she, whenever she went to a party in Washington, you know, she would introduce herself as a dental assistant, and the reason was she didn't she wanted to have fun. She didn't want to spend the evening. Uh, dishing out free yeah. medical equipment. Yeah,
1: yeah, how do I get rid of this yeah. eczema? yeah. yeah.
0: yeah.
3: So, so uh, That's good. I bring this up because I've been getting phone calls, I'm sure you have too, from panicked people about what should I do with my portfolio. Yeah. I had somebody call yesterday asking if, if they should liquidate all their mutual fund holdings and put it into a bank CD. And And of course, the Fed has just reduced interest rates to zero. So yeah. what sense does that make? So uh well you know that's that's the that's that is the self-mutilation to yourself. Yeah. Uh just pretend you don't have a portfolio for 3 months because um you know we're fighting the equivalent of a a mini World War 2. Imagine World War 2 compacted into uh, 3 or 4 months, hopefully only 3 or 4 months, but even a year uh at the end of World War 2 pent up demand exploded. Yeah, you know, and we had we had the growth of the fifties and, and and the sixties right. uh, that was only really derailed by LBJ and Jimmy Carter. So I think that uh, following this crisis, uh, probably the largest crisis of, uh, a, of a lot of people's lifetimes, mm-hmm. uh, the economy is going to explode again and. Um, you know, your stocks will will recover nicely.
1: So your your, your suggestion is buy and hold, in, and absolutely the natural financial, uh, uh, natural emotional reaction is to capitulate, sell your holdings, and try and you know. Uh, Keep your powder dry. Well, that's the absolute worst thing you can do. Why would you sell? It makes no sense to sell when things are down. And the best thing to do is just not look at it. <laughs> you know. Now I, I should say this: if you if your portfolio should uh, uh, correlate or should be uh, uh, re- reflect your willingness to take risk and if you don't have a portfolio like that don't don't readjust it right now but uh, you should have something you know if for example I'm an older guy you're an older guy we shouldn't have all of our money in in, in aggressive stocks
3: right and you know the only time I would sell and buy here is if uh, I've had a dog and I made the mistake of holding on to it and watching it uh, dive bomb uh, at this point you can you know, take that loss and move the money into a, a, yeah. a beaten up stock that you think may recover faster that's a than, good point. than the dog.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a great you're point. You're still
3: leaving the money essentially in the market. You're just rebalancing your portfolio to reflect some future optimism.
1: But if you're like many people who have ETFs and mutual funds and so forth, make sure you certainly have those holdings that reflect your uh, your propensity for risk. But after that's done, just let it ride. Oh, just hold on to it. Do not try to sell into this kind of a market. Now, futures are down. We had a great day on on uh, Friday. Things ended very well. The market went up over 1,000 points in the last couple of hours futures right now we're looking at futures are down about a thousand a little more but they haven't moved much what are your thoughts
3: well my thoughts is uh, uh we don't have a market right now and so the pricing you see the low prices are are totally fallacious uh and they only apply to panic sellers uh, liquidity has dried up in the market. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and the reason is you know in a, in a normally functioning market you have market ma- makers uh, willing to buy the stock at uh, you know all levels uh, as the market goes up and down. But when you have a tidal wave of selling and this happens in in every big market panic going back to the, you know the black tuesdays of the uh, late 1980s yep. uh, you cannot force uh, market makers to be buyers when they see a tidal wave of panic selling coming right you know what they do is they leave the market and this has happened this time the uh, uh, most of the trading now is done by automated machines but the automated machines are owned by human beings and they don't want to take a bath so they shut off the machines so there are suddenly there are no buyers for your stock unless uh, you know it's a you know, a, a bargain hunter who that's wants a, right. you know a deep, deep discount. That's right. So that's why the prices are going down so uh, radically.
1: Yeah. And you so were, you again, wrote a book, uh, Jim?
3: This is why you should just ignore this market. To, you know, for for maybe a couple months because there is no market.
1: Yeah. yeah great point. And uh, you wrote a book about the high speed trading. Forgot the name of it right now, but it was a great read. Yeah,
3: crapshoot investing. Is how clueless regulators yeah and traders turn the stock market into a casino
1: yeah so and, and it was a, f- a great read how much uh how much impact do you think these high speed traders are having on the market now
3: well i mean it's uh, i was just commenting to somebody uh, you know my book appeared in 2011 so you would think that it was outdated by now you know because of changes and improvements in the market but it, it isn't outdated right. because uh, the uh automatic tra- automated traders have an even greater market share than they did back in 2011 so they have a, a much greater impact uh, on the market and again uh, they've turned off their machines they've left temporarily and that's why we have these uh, gigantic price swings.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, it's absolutely true and I think it's exacerbating the movements in the market while there's a lot of volatility a lot of its created because these high-speed traders are out in front of the trades trying to make a penny or two on each trade and uh, they're, they're really just exacerbating the market swings
3: Well, yeah, imagine the market is a 10-story office building, you know, with traders on every floor, and suddenly we have this tidal wave of selling coming, so uh, all the traders on floor 9 to 2 close their doors, and so the market is going from the 10th floor to the first floor. uh, Again, it's just, you know, these exaggerated, crazy uh, uh, moments, and, um, you know, I don't even look at the stocks anymore, uh, and, and I'm... I, I knew a very successful trader on Wall Street who didn't even have, or he wasn't a trader; he was a long-term investor. He didn't have a PC on his desk.
1: Yeah, that's there's, so there's interesting. Avoiding
3: the temptation of constantly checking where the market was, and uh, you know,
1: that's, that's a I'm good trying move.
3: Trying to uh, emulate him right now.
1: That's a good move, Jim McTagg again, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of his latest book, "Shake the Money Tree." Jim, genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thanks, Bob. It's always fun to talk to
1: you. Thank you, you as well, Jim. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it informative. I had a good time. Uh, tune in tomorrow. We're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll f- also visit with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. But I'm going to be talking later with Sidney Powell. Uh, she wrote. Uh, the Conviction Machine, uh, so maybe she'll her uh, that interview will be on as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.